Welcome to the latest episode of the Varying Viewpoints podcast series, developed by the Samuel DeWitt Proctor Institute for Leadership, Equity, and Justice. Today we have a guest host, Deja Joy Brewster, who will be interviewing Shaban Norris. This episode is a part of a series of podcasts co-sponsored with Student Veterans of America, focused on providing helpful resources for student veterans. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. My name is Deja Joy Brewster. I am from Student Veterans of America. You were able to hear me on the first podcast. And I'm joined here with Siobhan from uh, Fayetteville State University. Um, I will let her introduce herself and then we'll move on from there. Thank you, Joy. Hi, everyone. My name is Siobhan Norris and I am the Associate Vice Chancellor for Military Affairs at Fayetteville State University. And I served in the Army uh, from 2000 to 2004 in the Military Police Corps and then was an active duty uh, military spouse for over 17 years and have been working in higher education serving military connected students for almost eight years. So it's definitely a pleasure to be speaking with you all today. Awesome, thank you so much for your introduction. Um, again, this is our uh, partnership with Rutgers and Student Veterans of America. We invited Siobhan here to speak on the um, amazing things that they're doing over at Fayetteville State University or FSUNC as I call it because I have a lot of <laughs> Florida State University people on our team. So I have to distinguish between the two sometimes. <laughs> um, so just to, to, to get us started, um, can you tell us um, about the experiences and what brought you wanting to work for an HBCU? Absolutely. So um, in all transparency, when I was approached to serve in this capacity at Fayetteville State, um, my decision wasn't based on the fact that it was a historically black college. Um, I knew that Fayetteville State had a lot of phenomenal potential to grow its outreach for our military connected students. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with our campus, we are uh, approximately 10 miles away from Fort Bragg, North Carolina. So that is the home of the Special Operations and Airborne. And uh, so we have about 1,700 military-connected students on our campus. And through the work that I've done over the years in various capacities and roles at different universities and colleges, um, our new chancellor at Fayetteville State sought me out to um, lead a new role in the university, and that is our military affairs and external relations department. So I serve on the military affairs side, being a senior leader within the university. Um, and it was only about, I would say, three weeks into my time at Fayetteville State that I really understood just how important HBCUs are. And uh, I, will, I will be honest with you, I didn't have a whole lot of experience working with HBCUs, I know that the University of North Carolina system has six uh, historic minority serving institutions, uh, five being HBCUs and one being a Native American university. And, um, and so that was about the extent of my knowledge on HBCUs. I primarily work for uh, uh, predominantly white institutions. And so coming to Fayetteville State University was uh, a great opportunity for me to learn about the HBCU culture and the importance in the history of HBCUs. Um, and I will tell you, I absolutely fell in love working with this university. Uh, 
the the people that I get to work with, my colleagues day in and day out, are amazing. They're genuinely passionate about serving our students, and uh, our students are phenomenal. So we actually have about uh, 6,000 students total, so we're a little bit of a smaller school, and about 30% of those students are military-connected, so that, that's a pretty big number. If you look nationally, um, a good size military population is anywhere between five and eight percent, and we're at 30. And I really credit that to the proximity um, uh, of Fort Bragg. Um, but, you know, I, I knew that we could do so much more, not just for the military, but after learning about the, the importance of HBCUs and the military, it led me down this, uh, this journey to understand how we serve our minority student veterans. And, um, and I was just blown away and I saw a great, great opportunity for us to do even more. That, that's phenomenal. And thank you so much for sharing that. I think because you and I are so close and I, and I know you so well, and you know, we've been friends for quite some time that I get <laughs> to hear you talk about this and, and hear how, you know, how much passion you have. And then also know your history and knowing how, you know, how proud you are of your military history in your family also. And and so hearing that you're like being able to combine the two really <laughs> just shows how much like you get to shine within your work, but also show, you know, the the the, the uniqueness of FSU and and their military history. Um, and I and I think that's something that's so phenomenal to be able to see that you get to like combine both of your passions there. And, and I think that's kind of where I want to go next with this question of like your, your history and the motivation behind, you know, researching the military mm -hmm. history of FSU and seeing what that's looked like for you and kind of that journey for you. Can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So my interest in military history lineage stems from my father, who um, is a Vietnam War veteran, and he had this, this kind of quirky hobby um, with me growing up where we would do research on our family history um, as it relates to those who served in the military. And we were able to find that we could um, trace our military connection through our family members all the way back to, um, I believe, the Revolutionary War in various militias. And, you know, and I think that stuck with me. And so wherever I went um, in terms of working for our military connected students, I always wanted to know, you know, what is our history? Um, you know, how long have we been serving our military connected students? How many military students do we have? How are we supporting them? Where do they come from? Where do they go after they graduate from us? And, and so coming to an HBCU, I knew that there was an incredible amount of history just within Fayetteville State University. We were founded in 1867. We are the second oldest public institution in North Carolina. Uh, so we fall under the University of North Carolina system, which has 16 universities, and we are the second oldest. And, uh, you know, where I work in the, in the building that I work at with the chancellor's office, if you walk down our halls, you see these beautiful photos from the time our university was founded. Um, we have pictures of our chancellors and our presidents um, all the way from the very beginning. We have uh, beautiful black and white photos of um, student leaders on campus doing amazing work throughout the throughout the years, throughout the decades. And so that led me down to wondering, well, what is our military history for Fayetteville State University? 
And so I was talking with my director um, of marketing and she put me in contact with our archivists and our librarian and our historians. And our historians are actually veterans themselves. So that was a really fun project for all of us to sit down and kind of go through our archives, go through the photographs and really put together a timeline of Fayetteville State as it relates to the military. And what we found uh, literally brought tears to my eyes and gave me chills because um, we found that we can trace our military connection back to our founding fathers in 1867. And, and that was a really cool um opportunity for me to say, okay, Faithful State has been committed to serving military from the time it was it was uh, created. So it's in our DNA, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we found out that in every major campaign um, during times of conflict and peace, we have had faculty, staff, and students involved in a campaign. And uh, going back to our First president, uh, Ezekiel Ezra Smith, uh, known well in our community as E.E. E. Smith, had actually served uh, during two periods uh, in the military while he was also serving in um, uh, serving the state and the university. So from 1888 and 1890, he served as the consul general to Liberia. And then afterwards, he came back um, and served in 1898 in 1899, where he led troops in the 3rd Regiment of the North Carolina Volunteers as a first lieutenant. And then you look at World War I and World War II, we have faculty, staff, and students who left to go serve in those major uh, major wars. And in fact, we found out that uh, one of our students who graduated from Fayetteville State uh, became a second lieutenant uh, and commissioned as a Tuskegee Airman. And his name was Second Lieutenant Andrew Johnson, Jr. And so he uh, commissioned in 1944. We've had uh, two other major leaders in our university who served. Um, Dr. Rudolph Jones was the president of uh, our university for a period of time, and he served in World War II uh, in the Navy. And then we had Dr. Lloyd Hackley, uh, who was a chancellor at Fayetteville State from 1988 through 1994. And he was a a retired Air Force major who was awarded medals, um, including the Bronze Star for Valor and the Vietnam Cross. So then you come and you look at where we are in, um, you know, closer to today, and you can see that we have a prestigious legacy of alumni. Uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, his wife, Ms. Charlene Austin, is uh, an alum of our university, uh, as is uh, Command Sergeant Major Retired Michelle Jones, who's the first woman in the Army Reserve to reach that position of Command Sergeant Major. And so she really broke barriers for, for women in the military, and especially women of color. And they all received their education here at Fayetteville State University. I, wow. <laughs> um, well, I, I, it's so interesting to be able to hear this because like, like I said, I've been able to like to see your full family picture and it, it's like you got to build a whole new family at FSU. <laughs> we, we are, we are a big Bronco family and, and that is very accurate. It, 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 we are a family. You can ask anybody. <laughs> and I, and I, I love that it, it's become like this, um, this journey 
for for both sides and it's it's beautiful to see and to hear just how much you know rich military history is there and i mean like you know you're talking 150 plus years ago mm-hmm. and it's it's really interesting to see just how influential you know and like the the students at you know one hbcu has been you know, in, in just building America as a whole. And, um, you know, and this is something that I was really interested in also just seeing, you know, how many other HBCUs or um, tribal, you know, universities or you know, um, uh, Asian American universities, how many other of them have this, this rich military history also. Right. And, you know, and that's such a great question. And, and I'm glad that we're talking about that because I think that question is just now starting to surface. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't believe it's been a question that we've been asking for a, for a long time. And, and, you know, I think typically that's because, you know, these are minority serving institutions. Mm-hmm. And historically, we've not, we've not paid enough attention, we've not given enough resources um, and support to our HBCUs and MSIs. And so then you add another subpopulation of student veterans, and and it's there's almost no information out there. There's very little research. There's very little data, and um, and so from that, from our military history project, um, you know, sharing this with our chancellor, our chancellor then uh, charged us with developing a report, working with an outside market research mm-hmm. um, company to identify how Fayetteville State University compares to its other HBCU MSI peers um, in terms of enrollment, retention, graduation, uh, and post-graduation success. And so uh, we contracted with a third party. So this is not this is not FSU saying, you know, this is our data. This we it was an independent peer-reviewed study. Um, <laughs> and and uh, we found that uh, there's not a lot of information. There's not a whole lot of peer reviewed research out there about student veterans of color. And and so that was one um, gap that was noted in Mm -hmm. in the journey of coming uh, to the conclusion of our report. But what we did find was that from all of the HBCUs that are recognized um, and are accredited, and then we narrowed it down to four year uh, HBCUs because apples to apples. Uh, we didn't want to compare us as a four-year institution to a two-year school. just wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had about 85 universities across the country. And through pulling data from the Department of Defense um, Tuition Assistance and the Veterans Affairs GI Bill uh, and, and a variety of others, there's like 26 sources that we, that we verified from we found that Fayetteville State University has the largest number of military-connected students enrolled across the country. We, if, if there was a number one HBCU for military, just by the numbers and the data that we have, Fayetteville State would be leading the way. And in fact, we are. Um, we just don't have the specific designation for military HBCUs, right? Mm-hmm. So we also found some really interesting data that on average, it takes about uh, an individual about 12 years to see their ROI from an HBCU or 
in MSI. Uh, we found that Maple State students who graduate see an ROI in two and a half years. So when they graduate from our university, they are graduating on time. They are graduating with world-class degrees and certifications. Uh, and they do so faster than really any other university in the nation. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that, that, okay. So, I mean, you, you know how much schooling I've done and, and to hear that we have a university that is as doing the work for the boots on the ground is phenomenal. And, and knowing that, that, that this data does exist, it's just in very small quantities. Um, right. And I'm, I'm sincerely hoping that, that we're able to get, you know, more data and, and look at MSIs, you know, closer and really, you know, help not only, you know, military students there, but students there as a whole and making right. sure that we're doing our, our due diligence to, to, you know, close this, this gap that, that we keep seeing. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think that we're, we're, we're positioned quite well as a nation to, to really start having this discussion. Uh, you know, I, I'm so thankful to the Biden administration for really putting financial resources towards HBCUs and MSIs. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very, I'm very thankful to Dr. Jill Biden, who I've had the pleasure of meeting for her work that she does for military families. And we know that when a, an active duty service member goes to school or a veteran goes to school, they oftentimes have families that, that come along with them. And so yes. we have an opportunity to make generational change within the military community through education. Um, I myself am a first generation college graduate. My mother dropped out of high school um, and it wasn't until she went back to night school and got um, a certification in medical assisting, I, I saw just how much education can play a huge role in upward mobility and socioeconomic status, and especially for women. Uh, and so looking at underserved populations, you know, Fayetteville State is a, is a perfect example because uh, about 60% or higher um, are, our students come from tier one and tier two counties. Um, a majority of them qualify for Pell Grants. And so when you look at our student population, they're really one financial crisis away from graduating or not. Mm -hmm. and, and that that's a big deal. And, and that wasn't, um, that wasn't something I was aware of until just a few months ago. And from my own background, having grown up, um, you know, with a single mother, very limited education, and then seeing the change that education can make for a family, that made me realize, oh, this is such an important population to focus on. Mm -hmm. And our students are so intelligent and hardworking and eager to learn. And, you know, Fayetteville, for the community of Fayetteville, is such a great place because we are such a, a, a close-knit community. And we have some of the best leaders in the world right here in our community. I mean, we just hosted the garrison commander of Fort Bragg. We had a uh, two-star retired general here on campus. I mean, you talk about quality of, of education, both academics and real life. I mean, you, you don't get a better education than that than here at Fayetteville State University. 
And so I'm really thankful that we are taking a lead on doing this research so that we can go to our fellow HBCUs and say, hey, let's work together and let's understand how you're serving the military and let's understand your military legacy. And then let's put out a call to action for other HBCUs to join us. And let's really start unifying this voice for student veterans um, who are minorities and people of color because it's needed and it's time that we have this conversation. I a thousand percent agree. Um, as someone who has spent her fair share of time at Fort Bragg, I, <laughs> I know the area very, I mean, we met on Fort Bragg. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> we've, we, we've had our fair share of run-ins with, with, you know, amazing leadership, with being able to really connect with, with the community as a whole. And what, what, I'm, what I'm also hearing is, is that, you know, there, there's this, this, you know, this is want to form this relationship. And with forming that relationship, I like, what do you see for like, you know, Student Veterans of America, you know, FSU and other, you know, minority serving institutions with, you know, finding and better understanding their student veteran population? How do you see that kind of like coming to fruition? Well, I think it starts with this, right? The just having a conversation and, and sharing the work that we've done. Um, you know, Faithful State University would be proud to help other universities, uh, you know, understand their legacy. And maybe they don't know the questions asked. Maybe they don't know where to look. Well, we can help with that. Uh, you know, I look to uh, other great student organizations across the country. I know that we have a, um, an Ivy League Veterans Council that's doing a lot of great work to encourage more veterans to enroll in Ivy League universities. Um, and that brings, you know, its own impact. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I really think that if one receives an education at an HBCU, uh, you're going to have so much exposure to diversity and different cultures. And you're not going to be siloed in the same way in which you were raised. And you're going to learn how to be a better diverse leader. And I think that's exactly what we need. We need that for our future. We need that for our country. And, you know, I think that having conversations with Student Veterans of America and Rutgers University and, and others, we, we can start encouraging people to, to think in that way and to look at how are we educating our student veterans to not only become educated from the academic sense, but educated in what it means to be an inclusive leader. And that's, that's, is the beauty of having an HBCU education. I, I absolutely. Um, I think something that you had on there is the culture and, and really bringing in that cultural competency, competency piece and mm -hmm. understanding that, you know, an HBCU or another MSI and military culture and really bringing those two together. Mm -hmm. And so like, like, I'm wondering if you have any, you know, insight on how, I mean, with you being a vice chancellor, uh, <laughs> how, how like administrative, uh, administrative level for higher education and how they can better aid student veterans and bringing up that, um, bringing up that whole, you know, campus culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the first thing that, uh, administrators need to do is understand the value of a military connected student. Uh, I will tell anybody and everybody who listened to me, the military community is the, 
it is the most diverse community you will ever be in. Uh, when I was in the Army and then as uh, a spouse of an active duty soldier traveling to 13 different duty stations over 17 years, I had the ability to make friends with people all around the world. And I got to learn about their culture. And, uh, and, and that was just an amazing opportunity for me. And as a university administrator, understanding that enrolling military-connected students makes your university better is, is the first step. And there's a business case behind that. And I believe Jared Lyon, uh, your president at Student Veterans of America, has given that business case to countless people. Uh, you know, we know that student veterans on average have a higher um, GPA than their non-veteran peers. Mm -hmm. They uh, they graduate at faster rates. They're more likely to pursue um, degrees in the STEM-related fields, and uh, and they and we know that they give back to their university and they give back to their community. So why not? And they come with their own funding source. So why not have those students on your campus? So make an initiative and a concerted effort to enroll more military-connected students on your campus because they're going to make it better. Two, um, understanding military culture. One does not need to be an expert. It's great if you are. It's great if you have senior leadership who have served in the military. I think that that's an added bonus, but you don't need to be an expert. And I think sometimes people can get a little nervous or or maybe think that, you know, it's just going to be too overwhelming because the military has all these weird acronyms and, you know, these people are really <laughs> rigid and, and I, don't, I just don't know how to relate to them, right? That's absolutely not the case. Um, I always encourage our, our folks, no matter what university or college that I worked at, to start with psych armor uh, uh, courses. So psycharmor.org is a national nonprofit that is doing amazing work to bridge the gap between the military and the civilian community and start with 15 things veterans want you to know. It's 15 things um, that dispel myths and misconceptions about what it means to be a veteran. And so if you can just watch that, it's about 16 minutes long. You can watch it on your lunch break, you know, at your office. Um, start with that, it's great. And then explore the other courses. So Bayfield State University has a partnership with uh, Psych Armor, and we're using uh, some of their courses to train our higher level administrators on, you know, not just 15 things veterans want you to know, but uh, a well-rounded and holistic approach to understanding military culture. And it's important for university administrators to have this awareness because they are the decision leaders, and they are the ones that set the tone for the university. And so I think that would be my, my advice for any university and senior leaders in that school. Thank you so much for, for that insight. And, and I absolutely agree with, with really building um, the, the understanding that the, the military uh, and military you know, personnel, be it active duty reserves, spouses, caregivers, whichever, we're, it's, it's, it's not this big, you know, like scary entity like some people kind of make it out to be. Um, and I, I think it's also very interesting that, you know, we have people who are both, you know, were active duty or are, or are active duty and spouses and, and really making sure that people kind of understand that there is that, that, that intersectionality there. Mm -hmm. 
which you you know all about. <laughs> oh yes, yes, I was I was a single soldier, and then I was a married soldier, soldier, a dual military soldier, and then I was a veteran. I became a veteran and a military spouse all at the same time. And I was I was like, what is happening to my world right now? These are all very different worlds. And I and I had, and I had to learn, you know, that there are different resources for different subpopulations within our military. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of research that's been done on military spouses recently, thanks mm -hmm. to hiring our heroes through the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation. Um, we know that military spouses tend to be educated, are highly employable, and they want jobs. And they want to continue their education. They're A thousand learners. percent. <laughs> and you, you are a perfect example. I don't know how many <laughs> master's degrees you have. So, you know, I, don't just limit your focus to the those that wore the uniform focus on the whole military family mm -hmm. because universities are just going to be so blessed with having uh these folks as their students yeah i, I say a lot i'm like it's a unit like like the family the military family unit it, it, yes. it comes as a whole um, yes, it does. and 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 I, and I tell them like you know the, the the easier it is to bring in the spouse, the easier it is to bring in the person who's active duty. You Absolutely, start with the spouse. <laughs> Absolutely, and you know, and I and I credit our our military leadership uh, for encouraging our active duty yes. uh, men and women to pursue higher education. So you know, again, I. You know, I did not grow up in a family that really promoted higher education. Uh, my, I just saw my mom go to night school and, and that was it. No one else in my family I knew went to college. I didn't know how to apply. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I joined the military and at my first duty station, it was my NCO, my non-commissioned officer that said, hey, we have a, a base education center. You know, have you thought about just taking a couple of classes? And I thought, oh, gosh, I don't know if I'm smart enough to do that. You know, that's for smart, rich people to go to go to college. And, you know, so I, I registered for a class. And to my surprise, I got an A. And I found out that I was really good at school. That had I not joined the military and had I not had leadership that encouraged me to pursue higher education, I would, I would not be where I am today. And I am so grateful for the military for setting me on this path to be a lifelong learner and to be a lifelong leader. Yeah, and and I'm I'm sincerely hoping that you know others are able to have that same experience that that you had. And with you being a, a lifelong learner, um, what do you see for like long term goals for student veterans at FSU and other HBCUs and with and you know combining this research? Mm. Oh, I have I have so many goals, Joy. So first and foremost, you know, our goal, and this comes from top leadership down, um, our goal is to be the number one premier destination for any military connected student in the country. Um, and we know that's tall, that's a tall goal. Um, <clears throat> but we're working diligently uh, to ensure that we have competitive programs and we are as accessible as we can and we remove as many barriers as we can so that we can continue educating this great military population. Um, but to the second point of your question, you know, the goals for HBCUs and, and MSIs, you know, I would like to put a call to action out there. You know, I, I would love to see other HBCUs uh, 
join forces with us and you know leverage the beautiful, brilliant minds of our universities and, and write uh, peer-reviewed research and perhaps white papers. I would love for us to present our findings to national level leaders so that we bring awareness to HBCUs and student veterans. Um, and then really just creating a national dialogue about the importance of supporting HBCUs and encouraging folks to attend a minority serving institution um, and really remove that stigma that you have to be of that particular culture or demographic to attend that university. That's absolutely not the case. Our chancellor loves to say Fayetteville State University is an HBCU and more. And I really do think that going to a minority serving institution, even if you yourself are not a minority, you're going to get such a beautiful education in so many ways. And it's going to make you a better community a better, a better community member. It's going to make you a better leader. Um, and I think it's going to make you a better decision maker. And so why not? So I, I would love to see that. Those would be my goals. Yeah. And I completely understand on the side of, you know, reducing that stigma of, of HBCUs as a whole. I mean, you know, you've, I went to school in South Jersey. And as someone who wanted to go to an HBCU, I was told not to. Because yeah. they were like, you know, you don't know how that's, it's not going to look as good as going to a different school on your resume. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, I want my school to look good on my resume. And yeah. so I, I really feel like also bringing this conversation, you know, allows people who have been discouraged from going mm -hmm. to a minority serving institution or an HBCU to understand that it's not this, you know, this, you know, this black mark on your resume, like, like it's, like it's made out to be. And, and so I absolutely um, agree with, with what you said there. And, and I think this brings me to my, my last point of what do we want to say to our, our, our veterans who want to become a student at an HBCU or an MSI and like really, you know, being able to encourage them? Well, I would say go to our website and check out Fayetteville State University. <laughs> that was a shameless plug, I know. <laughs> Um, I, I would say go for it. Um, you know, Joy, I, I didn't know that you had that experience and I don't think I shared, I shared with you, but when I was transitioning out of the military, I was looking at going to a university, um, in Georgia and I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name any names, but, uh, you know, I had told some folks, oh yeah, I think I'm going to go to this school. And they looked at me and they're like, you're white. Why do you want to go to that school? And I'm like, what? And they told me that it was a black school. And I, and I thought, well, okay, so maybe I'm not welcome. Um, and that's absolutely not the case. And so again, reducing that stigma and going to an HBCU is not a black mark on your resume. In fact, I am, again, I'm so grateful to our, our current administration for really highlighting the importance of HBCUs. Mm -hmm. The history of HBCUs stems from when our, our nation was under segregation. And, and you talk about a, a culture of resilience and a culture of strength um, and, a, and an educated culture at HBCUs. And, and now look at where we are today. I mean, our vice president is a woman who graduated from an HBCU. Mm -hmm. How amazing is that? So we not only have the first female vice president, but she is a woman of color and she graduated from an HBCU. And so 
I would, t- I would tell our veterans, you know, don't listen to what other people tell you. It, again, if you don't come from that demographic, if you don't look like the same people that go to that school, that's okay. Go for it. You're only going to get a better experience and a better education, and you're going to become a more well-rounded and educated person after graduating from there. So go ahead, apply, follow your dreams, and I would say the most important thing, do your research, and this is, this goes for any university, any school. It's not just an, uh, an MSI or an HBCU thing. Do your research. Um, there are a lot of schools out there that really see dollar signs with the GI Bill. And Absolutely. so make sure, make sure that you're going to a reputable university, a reputable school that is accredited. And not only is it regionally accredited, but whatever program that you're going for, make sure that that, that, that program is accredited by the appropriate body. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nursing, social work, you know, all, all those um, types of, of degrees that require specific credentialing, really do your research. And then make sure that that university or college has support programs in place because it's not just about getting accepted and and going to classes. It's about everything else in between the journey of starting and finishing. It's about having the uh, support uh, in place to ensure that you get your GI Bill process or your tuition assistance process on time, that there is uh, academic support in terms of um, tutoring or academic boot camps, et cetera that there's student organizations for your uh, for your military experience. So whether that's a registered student veterans of America chapter on your campus or just another military affiliated organization, that's always an added bonus. Um, and then make sure that the university has academic advisors that understand how to read your joint service transcripts and know how to advise you properly on which courses to take and what degree programs are best for you. So that's my advice. I think that is perfect advice, um, especially coming from, you know, someone who's been there, someone who's been in those boots more than once (laughs) (laughs) and, and someone who can really speak to, you know, going through a TA process, going through a GI bill process, going Mm -hmm. through a, you know, making sure that, that a university is actually, you know, working for you also, and you're not just a student there. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so, so much for everything that you're doing at Fayetteville State University. Um, I, I hope that you guys enjoy your amazing um, Veterans Day week bash that you have going on. I know that it's going to be phenomenal because you set it up and you just do amazing work. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> And, and thank you again for, for sharing so much wonderful information with us. And, and I'll be sure to, uh, to catch you on the flip side. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to share, you know, what we're doing here at Fayetteville State and how we're supporting our students. We're all about, you know, the business of, of serving and supporting our students, both traditional and non-traditional. And I'm so grateful for Student Veterans of America and Rutgers University's uh, Center for Minority Serving Institutions for, for having us. For I'm so grateful for your partnership that you've established with them. Um, and I'm really, really.